Hysteria is brought to you by Books. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She deserves the best. That's why you should send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. And right now you can get 25% off your entire Books purchase. Here's why everyone likes the Books company. Books is different. Their flowers are cut fresh and sourced directly from the best flower farms so they last way longer. They even have flowers grown on the side of a volcano. Which I love. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. Books is simple. Go online, pick the delivery date, and you are done. Mother's Day is May 12th. Don't miss the chance to thank your mom. Order your books now. And with 20% off, you can send some to mom, wife, aunt, and even grandma. Erin, I love my books. I love a flower that lasts forever, and my books arrangements really do last a full solid week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have uh, I have some sitting on my kitchen table right now, mm-hmm. and they've been there for several days. And usually when I buy them at, like, the grocery store, they're sort of, like, starting to crap Fade. out pretty quickly. Yep. Not with books. They stick around. They look beautiful. I like how they kind of slowly open up and become even more beautiful as they sit on your, you know, wherever Absolutely, you Absolutely, because they're that fresh. So go to books.com and use promo code hysteria for 25% off. That's B-O-U-Q-S dot com, promo code hysteria. Books, promo code hysteria. Welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. Grace Parr is with me this week. Hi, Grace. Hi, what's up? I'm snapping today. I don't know why. Yeah. Wow. That's new. <laughs> and we've got Karen Deal. Hello. This week, Karen Deal and Grace Parra are here to talk about how there are actually fewer women talking on TV this year than there were last year, and why getting birth control is still such a reduction in 2018. I'm also joined by Alyssa Mastromonaco to discuss the ongoing goddamn travesty that is the Kavanaugh confirmation process. We've also got This Week in Sorry and The Hills Will Die On. I want to get into it because there's a lot to tackle. There's a lot to Red Rover. I don't yeah, know. We gotta wrangle this bull. We gotta wrangle it. We gotta wrangle this baby. So there's a, there's a bunch of news this week. So we're just gonna kind of get to it. First, earlier this week, I was reading a report out about uh, women in TV. So first of all, congratulations, we did it. Yay! We won feminism. Yes. Um, this past year, Latina speaking characters on TV have reached an all time high <gasps> of seven percent. <laughs> Grace doesn't have any words because she is Latina. Uh, but this isn't the this uh, isn't the television. You can talk here. Yeah, you can talk. Uh, oh, that's right. Okay, <laughs> right. Um, Jesus, good God, Christ. Yeah, it's seven percent um, of female roles are Latina, which means that it's like two point eight percent of all roles. Yep. And that's where the good news stops. That it was a high at seven percent. That's a high. Um. So this is from the twenty first annual Boxed In Report from San Diego State's Center for the Study of Women in Television and Film. They found that in 27 to 2018, uh, there was a dip in the number of women working both in front of the camera and behind the scenes in TV. So usually around 40% of speaking roles on TV are women, uh, which is much better than film. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, 
But last season, the season prior to this, we reached a high of 42%. We are still, you know, 51% of the population. Right. So we are still underrepresented, but it's not as egregious. But we are, we're inching up there, but this Latinas business, what the fuck is going on? We do speak English, you guys. We do. What? We, I know. It's shocking. I am, like, astounded by this, very angry about this. Also, like, weirdly, I think it's hilarious because, like, like, who's on... What Latinas are even on TV? There's so few. You have, like, to make this number to be 2.8%, there have to be about six roles on television that Latinas play. And I don't think that's an exaggeration. Yeah. I know a few, and it's and that's great. And But it shouldn't be an accomplishment every time a Latina gets cast in a role on television. I looked at the number thing on it. It looked like it was around 150, like like at about two point, at about 3%. That's around 150 okay. people. Like, But that's over a lot of channels and a lot of television shows that go 24 There are literally seven. thousands of television shows. So for there to only be 150 roles that Latinas play, it's, it's shocking. One mm-hmm. thing that I found interesting just from, like, even looking at, like, casting a feature. I'm very interested in putting minority lead in the feature. We've talked about this because I specifically looked at Latina actresses and and there's a correlation, it seems like to me, an, an informal one between like almost whiteness and how pale you look um, or how, yeah. how passable you look mm-hmm. and people who are like working. So there's, you know what I'm saying? Oh, like, totally. Colorism is something that I think is discussed um, in the African-American community quite a bit. And and I think there's also a case to be made for colorism being in effect with Latinas as well. The more mm-hmm. white you look, the more you, castable you are. By the way, that is not just a fault of American media. It's also Latin American media, too. Mm-hmm. If you look at the way that Mexico portrays women on television, first of all, hypersexualized to no end. But second, it tends to be like the blonde, very, very tan American, Americanized and American looking uh, Mexican women who are on Telemundo and Univision. And um, yeah, and I don't know why that is. I think, I, I just think culturally, we think the closer you skew towards white, the better you are. It's like a, Even yeah. in India, I mean, there's obviously yeah. the whole like trend of skin lightening creams or like right. how, how, like how pale looking, like even superstars, like the Bollywood superstars, a lot of them look very, like I remember I had a friend in high school and she was like watching like her first Bollywood movie she's like oh my god all these people look like cute Latinos and I was just like I don't know how to feel about that (laughs) yeah 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 Yeah, wow I think that you know the colorism conversation is super fascinating but I also think that this reminds me a lot of like current perception in the world of entertainment um you know the the numbers are right here we're seeing that the number of women on tv who are speaking has actually dipped in the last year but if you talk to anybody who's like trying to break into, you know, trying to work in a writer's room or like men who work in the industry. A grumble that I've heard is that like, oh, you can't get cast anywhere unless you Oh, have like totally. A, yes. The like, diversity hire thing, especially from writers, because it's the one program that like has any sort of mandate of trying to change the demographics in rooms. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so everyone's upset about the first opportunity that goes into a room. Yeah. I, well, actually, behind the scenes, the number of women, so like writing and producing, directing, whatever, is only around 27 to 28 percent. So like this idea, that I, the, this kind of grumbling refrain that I've heard from from men that it's like, well, you can't get hired anywhere. It's like, well, well, actually, the numbers speak differently, Mister. <laughs> but the that, fuck voice that also that is, has but... to do with, I mean, but that that has to do with the fact that so many of the people currently working are um, white dudes at the top. Mm-hmm. So it's like they're trying to they're trying to like edge newcomers in, and like a lot of times that diversity hire will be paid at least in part by the studio, mm-hmm. which is a thing that the UN will do as well. If there's a woman in negotiating, like for conflict resolution, they're like, you can have four people, but if you add a woman, you can have a fifth. 
Mm-hmm. And I, I actually, and I would be interested to know, but I have a feeling in writers' rooms it's similar. It's like I think that 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 diversity hire is a lot of times bankrolled by the mm-hmm. studio, so it's not yeah. like it's not like it's actually taking away a job, you know? Right. I have two thoughts um, on that. First, I have been that diversity hire in writers' oh, rooms wow. before. And there have been times where it's been awesome and I've felt totally welcomed and I've worked with showrunners who, who, who make sure to uh, make it not a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the opposite has happened, too, where people are very, very cognizant and vocal about the fact that I'm the diversity hire and it's real awkward. Uh. And, and you know who those people always are time and time again? Grumbly white men who are over the age of 50 who yeah. are who fear their status being taken away but i mean i do think that there is something happening to uh karen i think you brought up that it's like older white men that are kind of hanging on for dear life and all of the room that's being made for any diversity at all is on the lower end of things which does mean yeah. that it's probably historically more difficult for people to break in mm-hmm. at the lower levels but like the people that need to be moving aside and to to make any real difference are the ones that are kind of hanging on for dear life and it's and it's and it's kind of bad for everyone, everyone at the jump who's trying to get in. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. it's like I've had friends who were white dudes who I mean were incredibly talented and like getting that getting that first job. And mm-hmm. I've had them say to me, getting the first job was really like grabbing for the brass ring, like really, really, really hard. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, but once they're in, they matriculate up very quickly. Like mm-hmm. you're you're good. Whereas. I mean, I think it just depends on the person and how you do. I haven't I haven't particularly gone down that road, mm-hmm. you know, but I've heard many, many times from people in a way that's nearly condescending. It's like, oh, oh, you're brown and a woman like yeah. like these are accomplishments. You yeah. No, you should totally be in a you should like it would be you could get hired like that. And oh, like, and a- agents oh, yeah. and representatives, are, they see dollar signs, which, you know, to their I get it. I get it. I, my, my question is, do you think that we're at a place where we should be doing the same thing with actresses, specifically Latinas? <laughs> where you should get a tax break if you hire a Latina because we are that deep in at this Look, point. You can you can have another person on the movie poster for sure. free. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> if she's Latina. Yes, the, the studio will pay for you to have a Latina. You don't have to worry about on it. On the poster. She doesn't have to be in the movie, though. Uh, no, 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 of course yeah. not. <laughs> Just would be like yeah, Mission, exactly. Mission Impossible. What was the the most recent one called Fallout or whatever? Mission yeah. Impossible Fallout. E Rosa Tambien. <laughs> <laughs> um, so here's my last question. Like I know that like we're all kind of in the industry in different in different ways. So it matters to us because this is our livelihood. But why does representation on TV, both in front of and behind the scenes, why should that matter to a person who's a woman who's like a teacher in Montana? Or like an accountant in Michigan. Like, why does it matter to the population in general? In general, I think it actually matters more for the children of the teachers uh, in the middle of the country and the children of the people um, that don't ha- that that aren't in the entertainment industry at all. Because I remember growing up and never seeing Latinas on television, and mm-hmm. always thinking that I wanted to be white because that's what I saw. So representation will always matter because you want younger demographics of people to feel comfortable in their own skin and to embrace their ethnicity and their diversity and to feel good about who they are. But that reason alone, I think representation is something we we constantly have to push. Mm -hmm. It's striking when you see something different and you're like, oh, wow, I've never seen that before. Mm -hmm. Like the number of times I've had those moments, even in the last five years with, you know, even somebody like Aziz with his like Indians on TV episode Mm -hmm. or like when I watched, you know, like kind of Jordan Peele, like in Get Out, it wasn't Jordan Peele, but when you watch Daniel Kaluuya in, in Get Out and it's like he's walking through the garden party and you can kind of hear these microaggressions mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, wow, I've never seen that before. Mm-hmm. It almost makes the experience real. Mm-hmm. 
in a way that it like exists in the popular culture and then it exists in the world. And I think that's something that's quite cathartic and empowering because it's like, oh, yeah, that's me. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. me. And you only really realize it when you when you don't when when it appears after you haven't seen it for sure. so long. Yeah, totally. It's sort of the feeling that I get. I mean, because I, I understand that, you know, like working in entertainment is something that a lot of people are like, oh, good, whatever. Like, mm-hmm. it's not, you're in La La Land, which in a way, yes. But also I think about the first time I saw Wonder Woman, and that's a movie, not TV, but the first time I saw Wonder Woman, I was an adult woman. And uh, I remember thinking at, during you one You sure scene, about that? <laughs> no, no, just kidding. I'm eight years old. <laughs> um, I'm Aaron Ryan, I'm nine. <laughs> I'm nine, and I like politics <laughs> and abortion rights. I um, feel like little Erin actually did like politics. I did. And abortion sure? rights. <laughs> and was she on like a Linda Ellerby show? Like, um, you know, oh, I feel like God. you were on the Nick News. You know what? After we get off this, I will show you a picture of me in my first ever stage role that appeared in my local like small town newspaper. Yes. I'm wearing a polka dotted sweater and studying my script. And the, the caption says, Erin Ryan is a little mouse. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. I thought you were going to be in like a blazer and big glasses being yeah. like, I'm a journalist. <laughs> no. no, no, I was a little mouse. But, uh, but but what I was getting at is when I was watching Wonder Woman as an adult, there's a scene where she's like walk- running across no man's land and taking like fire. And I remember feeling very emotional and thinking, I wish this existed when I yep. was a kid. Yep. And I Patty think- Jenkins fought for that scene. That was that was like her. Really? She, that was like the thing. She was like, this stays. That's that, awesome. that was for her. that was all her. her. That yeah. was all her. Well, that matters. I uh-huh. think that that's why it matters. Like represent. Like when we when we talk about representation, we talk about little kids and adults being able to see their experiences represented. And here's the thing: is it the responsibility of the media to make everybody feel love, care, share, happy, good about themselves? No, but also we have so much media. There mm-hmm. are so many outlets for these things to exist. So why not? Mm-hmm. We're not dealing with an era where we have three networks anymore. We have four hundred and fifty-five thousand. Last I checked. <laughs> and, and and only that is a 2.8. specific number. <laughs> Grace looked it up in her book of numbers, <laughs> and only two point eight percent of those uh, shows have have uh, Latina speaking. So it's a big fucking travesty. I think we need yeah. to go DefCon at this point and just make all Latina versions of everything. All Latina <laughs> little women. All Latina. I don't know why that. <laughs> mujeres pequeñas. Yes, mujeres pequeñas. Um, yeah, like just that uh, might exist. We gotta look. That we gotta up. look that up. Okay, look that up. Well, Uterus Weekly the segment where I talk to my pal Alyssa Master Monaco in New York and we discuss what's going on with the U.S. government and reproductive rights. Hi, Alyssa. Hello, Erin. How are you doing this week? I'm a bit dreary. How are you? You're a bit dreary? It's um, actually kind of, it's dreary over here too a little bit and I'm feeling that emotionally. Dreary and fired up at the same time if that's possible. How is that possible? I feel it's a new combination of emotions that we just invented over the last 18 months. It's like a new weight on women's shoulders. We have to be, we can't help but be depressed about what's happening, but we can't sit down because it'll only get worse. Imagine a fired up depression uh, medicine ad. Or someone, you know how they're always like a woman in sweatpants is like looking out a window and it's like depression hurts. But like this version of depression is like a woman in sweatpants punching a massive like bag. I think it can all be solved by the sativa strain of marijuana. (laughs) (laughs) I'll have to take your word on that. You take Um, my word. I will 100% take your word on it. One thing that I wanted to get to this week is that uh, we're approaching the kind of end of the well we've we've reached the end of the Kavanaugh hearings 
which means that we're now at a point where the Senate Judiciary Committee has scheduled a vote. And they have scheduled a vote on confirming uh, Kavanaugh. So during Kavanaugh's confirmation hearings, he revealed himself to have possibly committed a little bit of light perjury in uh, 2006 when he said he didn't know about some stolen documents that it turns out that he actually did know about. But apart from that, it turns out that he is hostile to Roe v. Wade in, in a way that he had kind of been lying about. Um, so that that's something that, at, at the very least, from these hearings, we got a, a nice public image of a Brett Kavanaugh as a kind of sweaty, nervous, wormy little hack who has uh, what I called on Twitter resting divorce face. You did. I thought that was very funny. Yeah, it's just uh, it. Just, I, the more I think about it, the more it feels right to me. So the the vote from the committee is scheduled for Thursday, but Democrats can use the Senate rules to push the vote into next week, and then. After that, the full Senate confirmation vote on Kavanaugh will likely be the week of September 24th. Alyssa, what do you think will happen between now and then? Well, time's a ticking. Um, well, I hope, you know, there are still, they keep talking about the six votes that are in play, some of whom are Democrats. And so I think the pressure is just going to sort of be ratcheted up and we'll see who can endure and who, you know, listens to their better angels and does the right thing. And who, you know, wrings their hands and says it's, you know, a vote too much for them to bear. Which, by the way, is hilarious because anybody who thinks they're going to lose an election over one vote is fucking nuts. We both know it. Yeah, it is really nuts, especially because during Trump time, you know, a week feels like a year. And then some. The time between September 24th and Election Day in November is significant enough that people will probably forget. I mean, under Donald Trump, a week feels like a year and two weeks feels like 10 years. And I feel like I am now in my mid-80s and I, uh, me and Ruth Bader Ginsburg are going to the opera together. <laughs> well, and, you know, this is just Mitch McConnell's dream, right? I mean, they are trying so hard because they're so scared of the blue wave that's coming. They're trying to ram through as many judges as they possibly can, including Brett Kavanaugh, you know, to sort of continue their lifetime appointments. At this point, they have already confirmed, everyone, for your information, 26 circuit court nominees and 41 district court nominees to lifetime appointments in only 20 months. And they currently have 27 district court judges and one circuit court judge already on the floor with 17 more on the president's desk. Ugh. Ding dong. That I mean, that's that's a lot. And it is Mitch McConnell's dream. Mitch McConnell and the Republican Party as it currently exists is, is an unsustainable party uh, with an unsustainable voting base and an unsustainable amount of energy behind them. It sort of reminds me of have you ever had a friend who had a, a grandfather or grandmother who was kind of always a jerk. But right before they died, they got really fucking awful. They yeah. started like <laughs> they got a you know, it's like they she, they've got a girlfriend now and she's 50 and all she does is buy like animal skins from you know whatever it's like they're they're doing the like spending the entire inheritance before they kick the bucket thing and it and it drives me i mean you can't really do anything about it it's like assholes are gonna asshole i know and the problem is though is that it's sort of it's sort of also easy to turn it around a little bit on the democrats right because the last mm -hmm. wave of judges were confirmed because schumer wanted to get his you know, endangered senators back out to their districts to campaign. Mm -hmm. And so this is sort of the treacherous, 
dance right now is that the Democrats need to be out campaigning to protect their seats in vulnerable states. And in order to be able to leave and miss votes, because, I mean, honestly, both parties need to be there for any vote because the margin is so thin. And so now Mitch McConnell's like, well, if you want to go back and vote or you want to go back and campaign, we're going to do some more of these lifetime appointments. It's like, I mean, it's really sort of a, you know, not to be glib, but it's a bit of a Sophie's choice. Mm-hmm. I mean, can't we use holograms at this point? I feel like they could just send holograms back. To I campaign. mean, vote by proxy, my friends. Yeah, totally. Um, but one senator in particular has taken a lot of heat over the Kavanaugh hearings. And this is somebody who a lot of Democrats and people on the left believe should if she actually follows her principles, be someone who would be amenable to changing her mind. And that's Susan Collins of Maine. Wow. Um, activists have raised over a million dollars. I was just reading this morning that they will donate to her 2020 opponent, whoever that is, if she votes in favor of confirming Brett Kavanaugh. What do you make of that, Alyssa? I mean, I guess, first of all, I'm, you know, it's hard. I think it's, I think it's incredible that they've already raised a million dollars. I think that it's, you know, part of the political system. I'm like a little worried because, I mean, all that money could maybe go to something that would have a bit of a more immediate impact. But I do think it sends a pretty strong message. Nobody's fucking around, Susan. Mm -hmm. People aren't fucking around. This is for real, for real. And if you're not going to listen to your conscience, maybe you'll be scared by money. (laughs) She did. She did uh, compare it to bribery, which I thought was really funny. It's like. (laughs) No, Susan. You're, how was, long have you been a senator? Like, was that that's Coke, not what this was is. Was the Koch brothers' money bribery too? Yeah, it's like, ugh, come on, dude. That's not y- incorrect. That is an incorrect thing that you just said. But at the same time, it's like you know, you and I have talked about this. It's like I don't know what's the better tactic. Is it like begging her or is it threatening her? Because you know, in her heart, this is the thing. You know, in her heart, she knows the right thing to do. Yeah, be a hero, Susan. Be a hero because. You know, her state, like many others, like we were talking about what's happened in Missouri. Missouri could essentially be down to one uh, facility that can provide abortions in the entire state. Mm-hmm. She yeah, they're will be responsible for a wave of that action across the country if she votes for him. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And then on that note, Alyssa, there's actually there are 13 cases on abortion and 24 total cases um, on reproductive rights that are one step away from the Supreme Court right now. Right. Right. So everyone's like and, you know, this goes to his sort of bullshit testimony that was really sort of like this, you know, for sixth graders, how a bill becomes a law. And it was such a farce because he kept saying, like, I can't just wake up tomorrow and overturn Roe v. Wade. There are all these other justices that I sit with and, you know, we need courts. And it's like, shut the fuck up. We all know that there are cases in the pipeline that could literally pop this in six to 12 months. One more thing is that, you know, he can issue emergency stays when he gets confirmed. He yep. can he can uh, be join the four justices that are already conservative and agree to hear cases uh, if he's confirmed. Like he can immediately make an impact if he's confirmed. And Alyssa, I wanted to go back to that Missouri case mm-hmm. because it flies in the face of very recent uh, precedent. Yes. It was the case of uh, Whole Woman's Health versus Hellerstead. Yeah. Okay. And that case uh, made it basically it, it the Supreme Court ruled that a Texas law that that required different things of abortion clinics like hallways of a certain size they were called trap laws uh, right 
and it, they basically ruled that the the intent of the trap law wasn't to promote women's health. It was to make it more difficult to open abortion clinics, which right. this law in Missouri did the exact same thing. And the Eighth Circuit said, oh, that's a, that's actually OK. Why right. is they that? Why, why is that scary? precedent from the Supreme Court? Right. Because they assumed that Kavanaugh will be confirmed exactly. and he'll join the four conservative justices already on the court and they'll side with Missouri in this case. Exactly. That's happening literally right now. Right now. And so this is, you know, if we have ever thought about, again, just going back to voting in November and being active and being engaged, this this is the consequence of the 2016 election, right? For better or worse, you know, elections have consequences. We always say it. And now here we are with, you know, two, most likely, I guess, two new Supreme Court nominees, all these cases, McConnell is flooding the court system with lifetime appointments. And so if people didn't think it was important to vote, you know, a year ago, they better fucking think it's important to vote now. Yeah. It's only going to get worse. Yeah. I mean, and I'm kind of tired of feeling this combination of dreary and fired up. I'd like to feel a new feeling. I'm going to be honest with you. I would really love to just go back to a time when I could watch Bachelor in Paradise and tweet about Joe the Grocer and know that there was a 50% chance that people were going to tell me I should be tweeting about something more important. (laughs) And it's true. There are more important things. But can we have a moment of levity about Joe the Grocer? You know what? I totally tuned out of Bachelor in Paradise this year. I was like, I can't. I can't. You know what? I, I and I was out. the opposite. I was like, bring it on. Don't talk to me when it's on. I put my feet up. I had my wine and I was like, this is fucking paradise for me. Oh my gosh. Well, next time we're in the same city, let's do something like that together because that sounds kind of nice. Well, I'll show you. I'll show you the ways, my friend. Let me be your Sherpa. <laughs> You'll be my relaxation Sherpa. Your Sherpa into paradise. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, thank you again for uh, this week in Uterus Weekly, even though it's hard news to digest. It's Stuff we need to be talking about, and I'll talk to you again next week. Talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. We have to take a break. When we come back, personal political. This episode is brought to you by IQ Bar. Power up your life with superior brain and body nutrition products from IQ Bar. Their plant protein bars are the perfect low-carb breakfast. Their IQ Mix Zero Sugar Hydration Drinks replenish electrolytes. And their IQ Joe Mushroom Coffees will keep you focused all day long. Start each day right with IQ Bar's brain and body boosting bars, hydration mixes, and mushroom coffees. Their ultimate sampler pack includes all three. IQ Bar empowers doers with superior brain and body nutrition. All their products are entirely free from gluten, dairy, soy, GMOs, and artificial sweeteners. And today, Hysteria listeners get an exclusive offer of 20% off plus free shipping. Just text HYSTERIA to 64000. One thing I love about IQ Bar is, first of all, right now it's really dry where I am. Oh, okay. It is hard for me to stay hydrated. I I just like, I'll just be going through my day and I'll be like, why am I so like... Parched. I'm parched. I'm in a bad mood. I feel like I'm going to pass out. And it's, ah, you got to drink some water. You got to stay hydrated. I really like their IQ Mix Zero Sugar Hydration Drinks because it allows me to rehydrate myself at a time when I feel like the atmosphere is trying to take all my moisture away. Well, and sometimes you need more than just water. Sometimes you need more more than just water. I also love IQ bars because I love a portable breakfast. I love a grab-and-go breakfast. No dishes. 
love something I can walk around holding and eating. I like something I can eat in my car without endangering the lives of me and every other motorist on the road. A breakfast burrito, <laughs> not not the safest thing to eat behind the wheel. IQ bar, go ahead and do it. Good for you. Great ingredients. Helps you stay focused and alert throughout the day. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, and you don't have to dirty any dishes. Refuel smarter with IQ Bar's Ultimate Sampler Pack. That's seven IQ Bars, four IQ Mix sticks, and four IQ Joe sticks. And now our special podcast listeners get 20% off all IQ Bar products plus get free shipping. To get your 20% off, just text Hysteria to 64000. Get your discount. Text Hysteria to 64000. That's H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A to 64000. Message and data rates may apply. See terms for details. This episode of Hysteria is brought to you by Viore. Need the perfect Mother's or Father's Day gift? Check out Viore Performance Apparel. Drawing inspo from the coastal California lifestyle, Viore's products inspire others to live vibrant, active lives. I love that they're calling this the coastal California lifestyle. I will embrace that instead of what I thought it was, which was the I only want to wear comfortable clothes lifestyle. Yeah. I have to. I refuse to be uncomfortable I ref- if I want to be productive. I refuse <laughs> to be uncomfortable, but sometimes I have to look like I belong in a respectable place lifestyle, which is like yeah. Viore is perfect for it because they the clothes look fantastic. They fit great. They are so comfortable. I lie down in mine all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Especially, Erin, the women's performance joggers. They have a slim but relaxed fit and are designed with dream knit stretch fabric. I love my joggers. I've slept in mine. I've slept in them. Really? You don't get hot? No. They're very, like, on a a couch nap. You know, you have, like, a, oh yeah. you've got, like, maybe a half an hour in the afternoon. You're like, ooh, I've got a, like, small break. I'm very tired. I'm going to just, like, lay down for 20 minutes. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect for couch napping. Joggers. I love the leggings. I can work out in them. I can do my errands in them. I can wear them with a proper top to a business meeting. It is not a problem. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you probably could. Just put yeah, a, a totally. blazer and like... Denim shirt. Denim, denim shirt, oh, blazer, yeah. leggings. So easy. 100%. And, of course, the men's core shorts. They have a classic athletic fit, falling just above the knee, while the Sunday performance joggers are made from recycled performance stretch fabric. I got my dad some men's core shorts. He wears them to mow the lawn. That's perfect. He is, like, I think my my dad is one of those people that just, like, beats the crap out of his clothes. He'll wear them until they're... They look like a security blanket that a 30-year-old yep. still has where it's just like a ball of string and you're like, um, Our dads are the same. Yeah, yeah. But um, my dad has had his for like a couple years now and I think I, I saw him wearing them the other week when I met up with um, family on a, on a short weekend trip and they still looked great. It was like, Dad... Your clothes still look new. <laughs> so fancy. Viore is offering Hysteria listeners 20% off your first purchase. Get some of the most comfy and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash hysteria. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash hysteria. You'll also enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash hysteria and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Guys, it's been a rough year. It's going to get rougher, and you deserve a little treat for not going insane yet. You could head to the local tiki bar and tell the bartender, do your worst. 
but we have a better idea for you, which is pick out something from the Crooked store. The store is stocked with tons of new merch. It's perfect for the spring. And classics like the Friend of the Pod tees that you'll be wearing long after the next administration or the next fascist dictatorship, depending on how things go. Pick up a new tee for the warm weather ahead, a mug that'll remind you to stay involved this election year, or a hat celebrating your favorite pod. Go to crooked.com slash store to shop. back to LA with Kieran and Grace to talk about personal political. So Grace, I want you to talk a little bit about your experience this week. Yeah, so I had something happen to me a couple days ago, very, very frustrating and something that I immediately emailed the ladies of Hysteria about because it, it just felt like dead on with uh, the experiences that a lot of us have gone through regarding birth control. So when we talk about birth control, when we talk about the availability of birth control, it tends to be super binary. It's either you have access to it or you don't have access to it. But what we don't discuss is the gray area of what happens when you have access to birth control, but for any number of reasons, it's really difficult to get. So in short, I found out recently that my insurance stopped covering this type of birth control that I've been taking for a year. And I've been taking this birth control. It took me a long time to adjust to it, as all women know and all men who know women too. Yeah. These things are not easy to adjust to, and they take a lot of time. They can take months, if not years, to adjust to. And while you're adjusting, I mean, in the past when I was using oral contraception, it took me, it was months of adjustment is really a, a nice way of saying it. It was like mood swings, like weird uh you know period type stuff mm-hmm. like and you get know get into some detail on that yeah, i want to hear more i want to hear spotting i'll call it out spotting <laughs> men out there spotting oh my god but anyway <laughs> grace's face after she said that was like come at me come at me man <laughs> she spotting is her trigger word yeah it's, trigger it's word. a tr- it's a trigger word i said yeah. it spotting i was spotting. like spotting oh, that yeah <laughs> It's not that provocative. It's not that it's provocative really not, at all. Not. But so, so like you, it it takes a long time, it takes and a it's long a time. big deal when you switch. And it's a big deal. So when I found out that my insurance is not going to cover the brand version of this birth control mm-hmm. that I've been taking for a year, they said instead take this generic kind. Now I've done the switch from a brand name to generic in the past, and it's been really awful for me. It is a different pill. Now I've done a little bit of research about this. It's a it's a controversial subject because. The FDA will tell you that the generic versions of birth control that you're taking are exactly the same and have the same makeup, with the exception of a few inactive qualities. But the reality is not like that for every woman. Any minor change in in a pill, switching from a brand name to a generic, can lead to side effects that you didn't have initially. So I've been really reticent to switch to generic. What ended up happening is I found out that in order to get the brand name covered by my insurance, my doctor had to write a note to my insurance. They said, yes, okay, fine. Then they said I had to get the birth control via Express Scripts, so one of these mail-order pharmacy types. I couldn't go in person to get it. But because Express Scripts was too late in informing me about this decision, I had to go pay out of pocket to get birth control, the brand name. Now, the brand name, of course, was not available at my pharmacy or the next pharmacy or the next six pharmacies that my doctor, <laughs> that my doctor called. It took eight to 10 calls for my doctor to find a pharmacy that carries birth control in the brand that I've been using. And it cost me $160 out of pocket to pay for that for one month's pill. 
one month. And these are the hoops that I had to jump through as somebody who is hyper-informed, who's a bit of a hypochondriac, who's been on top of all the shit, who has insurance, Mm -hmm. who lives in Los Angeles, one of the most liberal cities in America right now. Those are the hoops that I had to jump through to get one month of birth control. And it it, it infuriated me on a number of uh, levels, obviously, but mostly because I worry about the women out there who don't have not just the access to it, but who have restrictions in their life that might prevent them from being able to easily go through the hoops that I went through. Like, for example, what happens if you're... I was able to call my boyfriend and cry to him about this as it was happening. What happens to the women out there who are taking birth control on the sly for whatever reason? Maybe their parents don't approve of the fact they're taking birth control. Maybe they have religious... Uh, reasons for 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 not being able to be vocal about it. So to make a call and to spend one hundred and sixty dollars is something that that is real infringement on their ability to take the pill. Like all these kinds of things that might be in place for other women. Thankfully, I don't have. I was able to pay out of pocket for that. But we just don't talk about the struggles, even once birth control is theoretically accessible to you. Mm-hmm. And this was an example to me. And and I've talked to a bunch of people, a bunch of women in the past few days, and everybody's had experiences like this. Mm-hmm. With insurance is just treating a switch from a brand name to generic as though it's no problem, as though it's Tylenol, as though you can just buy the Kroger version of Tylenol and that's going to be okay for you. But birth control is a really, really, really sensitive type of pill that we're putting into our bodies on a consistent basis. And it should not be treated this cavalierly yeah Yeah. this cavalierly and that's a lot of time i mean that's even just to to do those things on the time frame that you're talking about to be able to take off from work to do all of that oh yeah oh yeah yeah when i was reading your email i was thinking about all of the ways in which we're led to believe that these things should be taken care of this is something that we should have taken care of like and there are laws with the intent of taking care of those things that aren't necessarily followed in spirit Mm -hmm. so like obamacare uh defines birth control oral contraception as a form of preventive care which should be covered without copay for everybody who's insured under the law but insurance companies have kind of like the the language itself is like well Actually, they just have to cover generic without copay unless this happens. And so what ends up happening is we end up having to make a bunch of calls, take time out of our day, and also, you know, have somebody who hasn't even visited us or seen us in person or even talked to us decide what medically is the best thing for us. And that's partly just the American healthcare system being yeah. totally fucked. Yeah. And I feel like everyone, I would venture to say that probably everyone has to think about their health. We all have bodies like Ugh. so it's one of the, the worst, <laughs> but it's one of the and and to see the commodification of that, which mm-hmm. is what which is what like it, it to me, that really comes down to the premise of do you see healthcare as a universal right or do you see it as a business and which one is it and where's the intersection of those two things? Yeah, mm-hmm. this this made me feel like it's completely commodified. This made me feel like, um, you know, it, it, I think there's. I use the word feel twice there, and I realize that there is an emotional attachment to this process that we have because birth control is so personal and because it's something that we as a, as a gender have fought so hard for so long to, to get, to see the kind of bastardization of the process, you know, in 2018 when mm-hmm. I think that, that women, you know, decades and decades ago really thought that just by giving us access we would be in a place right now of a field of dreams, if you will, with, right. with access, and we just aren't. Well, and that's and that's an also that also ties back to a point you made earlier, Grace, about how you, you know you live in Los Angeles and you're insured. I'm from a town of 1,000 people that has one pharmacy in it. The next pharmacy is a 10 minute drive, and the next pharmacy is 15 minutes in the other direction. 
And all it takes in a town like that in parts of America is for a pharmacy to change owners. And suddenly somebody has a conscientious objection Mm -hmm. for you getting birth control at all. Mm -hmm. And the law protects them and their ability to not give you birth control. So then what do you do? Then you have to make extra calls. You have to go to another town. You have to take more, even more time out of your day. And it just seems like the, the way that it's a kind of death by a thousand paper cuts type thing because mm-hmm. you had the best case scenario. Best case scenario. Like I had time to do this. I had money in my pocket to go buy this birth control. And it was still an, an unbelievably unnerving circumstance. It's, it's, it's also something I have to bring this up too. The shade that I got from the female pharmacist at the pharmacy that actually had the birth control was shocking to me. She oh, looked. She gave me, you two, dude. She looked me up and down. She was like, "That's expensive." Yeah, and then she was like, "You don't have insurance, bitch. I have insurance, and this is what I'm having to pay." <laughs> but it's the, she, she the insurance shame you. She insurance shamed me. I've yeah. had I've had judgment. I've had judgment both at a gynecologist's office and also from pharmacists. Yeah, you know, which I think is super shitty. Like I went to an. Indian gynecologist because I was trying to give my people business and like very specifically I was like she's brown do you know what I mean and I was like that's how I choose my doctors that's literally how I choose my doctors and like most of America is like us too um that's see look look at me stereotyping my own people coming back to myself but she was I, I mean it was it was like a I like I like left and my heart felt it my heart sank you know it was like I, th- I think it had something to do with like STD testing or whatever it was. And mm-hmm. it was just like so incredibly judgmental. So about... you're getting it, getting judgment from men and from your gyno or you've gotten it from a gynecologist. Before. Correct. I hate everyone. That's... <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, the, the story here is well, I don't like the people. What do you think is I mean, and this is my gynecologist in New York was really wonderful. And actually, when I first went to see her, she was like very pregnant, which mm-hmm. I was like, I was I don't know. I, I just find that very charming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> You found the thing that we're talking about today. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, opposite. Yeah. Aaron's like, I do find pregnancy charming. <laughs> of all the of all the words. <laughs> no, she just was like just a super like non-judgmental, cool person. And yeah. I really liked going to her. So I've been very lucky when it comes to reproductive health care. But the fact that somebody would go into the discipline of being a gynecologist and be judgmental when women needed their services is insane to me heinous yeah heinous yeah yeah that sucks that you went through that it super sucks that anybody has to go through that that yeah it's it's a universal thing i want to share it because i know there are so many women out there who are experiencing this kind of stuff too and just if you have had problems accessing birth control you're not alone you're not and i say that because no matter where you are in the country or the world really it's it's a struggle so Mm -hmm. tell us your stories too i mean hysteria at cricket.com yeah yeah yeah. um also i i know that a lot of like reproductive health care providers listen to this and they're who are awesome and so you know if you guys have stories or tips or anything like that hysteria at crooked.com i'm always welcome your emails so we'll be back in a bit with this week in sorry it was a busy week guys guys it's been a rough year going to get rougher and you deserve a little treat for not going insane yet you could head to the local tiki bar and tell the bartender do your worst 
but we have a better idea for you, which is pick out something from the Crooked store. The store is stocked with tons of new merch. It's perfect for the spring. And classics like the Friend of the Pod tees that you'll be wearing long after the next administration or the next fascist dictatorship, depending on how things go. Pick up a new tee for the warm weather ahead, a mug that'll remind you to stay involved this election year, or a hat celebrating your favorite pod. Go to crooked.com slash store to shop. And we're back. This week, a lot of people were sorry, but a couple people were more sorry than other people. And as women, we apologize too much. So we know. I'm sorry. What? When uh, we know when other people are sincere and when not they're not sorry. sincere. I'm not sorry. Who boy, Norm McDonald? Oh my God. <laughs> In North Carolina, farmers who uh, who raise pigs are currently scrambling to cover up the places in which their pigs. Waste is stored in the in the run up to Hurricane Florence, which is going to hit the coast this week. But Norm Macdonald experienced a shitstorm of his own. <laughs> great, great, great setup there. I like. Thank that. you. <laughs> shitstorm of his own this week. Uh, when in an interview with the Hollywood Reporter about his forthcoming TV show, which by the way has nothing to do with politics or topical issues whatsoever, <laughs> Norm Macdonald, America's meanest Canadian, flapped his jaw about <laughs> hashtag Me Too. So some of the statements uh, about Me Too are awkward and clumsy. So you can sometimes you read things and you're like, oh, this celebrity didn't really think this one through. And some are just aggressively dumb. These were aggressively dumb. Again, let me remind you guys that Norm Macdonald was not being asked about anything specific by The Hollywood Reporter. He brought this up on his own. He went into the he went into the interview and they were like, look, you don't need to 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 bring any there's no rope here and norm is like no i can make some right here i'll make some and i'll hang myself with it so here's a sample of of some things that mcdonald said i'm happy the me too movement has slowed down a little bit it used to be 100 women can't be lying and then it became one woman can't lie and that became i believe all women and you're like what like that chris hardwick guy i really thought got the blunt end of the stick there Norm. Oh my God! Get, Norm. get the get the hell out of everybody's <laughs> life. I I have Norm. to think that he thought this was a joke, or that this was like a setup for something funny. He's being a contrarian because yeah. he's a com- he's a stand up, but he's edgy. Ooh, he's so edgy. Yeah. And what is the blunt end of a stick? I don't know. Like I've heard of the sharp end. I love the way it's like I have a problem with the language. <laughs> Idiomatically, Norm. Idiomatically, I'm not Let's comfortable talk. with this phrase. There's what a sharp the... end of I a love stick. It. This is a design issue when you think yeah. of it. Because why is one end blunt and one end sharp? And why would he get the whatever? Wouldn't that just be a cane? Yeah. If, if you got the blunt end of the stick, that's not that bad. No. It's not, like not that it's bad. it's just a stick. Also, man. where are you getting it? Like, yeah, I don't know. I Here's here's more that, that Norm MacDonald, in an interview about his show that is not topical, here's the thing he said about a topical thing. The model used to be admit wrongdoing, show complete contrition, and then we give you a second chance. Now it's admit wrongdoing and you're finished. And the only way to survive is to deny, deny, deny. That's not healthy that there is no forgiveness. I do think at some point it will end with a completely innocent person of prominence sticking a gun in his head and ending it. That's my guess. I know a couple of people this has happened to. Okay, first of all, first of all, deny, deny, deny is a quote that is very similar to a quote that was uh, that appeared in a book that came out this week by mm. one Bob Woodward. Mm-hmm. Deny, 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 those words were said by Donald Trump, and those were also in reference to Me Too. Donald Trump in Bob Woodward's, Bob Woodward's book is quoted as saying that if you're accused of harassment or misconduct, you have to deny, deny, deny. Glad to see Norm MacDonald is on the right side of history 
here. Also, what, yeah, what is do you he... think his influences come from? I yeah, wonder. what does he mean by that there's no forgiveness? It has been less than a year. It's like nine months total for this whole movement. I think that yeah. that's I think that that's a place where because it's so it's so uncomfortable, the unseating of a thing that's been because you got to think that somebody like Norm Macdonald has been around for a long time. Yeah. You're yeah. talking over 20, 30 years. And I don't know how old he is, maybe 100, 300 years. He's, in he's the 700 years old. He, he might have been around before television. He didn't get the invite to the birthday party. Yeah. Which he, birthday? The cruise? Norm was, turned 700. No, no, it was Norm Macdonald's 700th birthday. Yeah, we all went. Yeah, we all went. Oh, care. that's devastating. I wasn't invited? <laughs> I so. Oh, no, Sorry. I'm the one not invited this yeah. week? Yeah. Aaron, oh, Aaron missed the cruise, and now Karen missed Norm McDonald's. I missed the cruise. It's okay. Oh, We're going somewhere without Grace next week. Oh, oh damn oh, it. cool. Oh, come oh, on. I feel a little better. I was like, oh, it, it hurts more than I thought. <laughs> oh, God. So here's another thing. Uh, he said that on Louis C.K. and Roseanne Barr, there are very few people that have gone through what they have, losing everything in a day. Of course, people will go, what about the victims? Man, man, the victims. But you know what? The victims didn't have to go through that. And, quote, all their work in their entire life being wiped out in a single day in a moment. Hey, here are a bunch of people who have gone through the process of losing everything in a day. How about all the victims of Hurricane Maria in Puerto Rico? <laughs> also, like, what? Louis, nobody came and took Louis C.K.'s house away from him. No. He didn't lose he everything. Didn't lose everything. He lost nothing. The idea, he lost nothing. He can still walk into the comedy lost, cellar. He lost his FX show. And he, and that movie didn't get released. And the movie didn't get released. I thought that his FX show was gone, was canceled anyway. It was on hiatus. No, he lost his deal. He lost. He lost some professional opportunities. Pro- professional opportunities. Sure. But okay. you're also in a public sphere where yeah. people are judging you based on what they think your character is. Yeah. And that's associated with a brand. So your actions do matter. Yeah. And and the but the thing I'll say like this the idea that there is no forgiveness. I mean, it feels like there's this massive chasm between the level of attack that somebody like Norm Macdonald and his peers are feeling mm-hmm. and the level of rage and uh, and and sadness that that women have been holding in for a really long time mm-hmm. uh, and there and 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 culturally societally we are going to have to find a way to bridge that gap but I think I sent you guys that one like like how do you forgive how does somebody make up for it it's like and, you know, Jenny Yang had posted this tweet, which I had sent to both of you, mm-hmm. and she had just said some really brilliant things. It's like, hey, maybe you donate a bunch of monies to money to Time's Up or Rain, or you go back and you apologize to each of your victims. Or mm-hmm. And she, like, listed, like, 15 or 20 things actionable that would things. be actionable mm-hmm. things that would actually be ways to actionably say you're sorry. Because the, the empty gesture of, like... I'm so sorry. Does I think we all feel that, especially from companies, and mm-hmm. it can feel so empty, especially if there's no nothing that has has pushed forward that like I've really learned, I've really changed, I'm really trying. Besides the phrase, I'm listening now. Yeah, it feels empty. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, McDonald. It did not take him very long to issue a statement of his own, <laughs> uh, which he issued on uh, the most lasting and important medium of our times, Twitter. Um, he said, uh, Roseanne and Lewis have both been very good friends of mine for many years. Uh, he actually got to start writing for Roseanne, mm-hmm. uh, her old show. They both made terrible mistakes and I would never defend their actions. If my words sounded like I was minimizing the pain that their victims feel to this day, I am deeply sorry. Okay. After he said that, uh, his appearance on The Tonight Show starring Jimmy Fallon was canceled. And I do not feel uh, great for his publicist and managers and handlers yesterday because... I mean, 
I'm inclined to feel like he thought he was just being like contrarian and having a little bit of fun, but like now is now is not the time, and that's no. not the topic. Read the room, bro. Yeah, read the room. Yeah, I don't, um, I don't know. I think another thing is that um, when people like Norm Macdonald, who has a new show on Netflix that a lot of people work for, mm-hmm. uh, when people when he goes out in public and does this, he's hurting those people too. Yeah. He's hurting the PAs and the assistants and the interns and his publicist and you know people at Netflix who are lower rung responsible for helping promote the show. He's hurting a lot of people, mm-hmm. and so he should apologize for like. The vic- he, you know, for for implying that victims don't feel pain compared to Louis C.K. and Roseanne Barr, but he also should apologize to his employees mm-hmm. because that really, really can fuck you mm-hmm. when you have a host that just goes off the rails like that. It's just, ugh. it's also just an incredible privilege to have the platform of a show on Netflix. Like that's, I mean, think about, think about how many people live in the world and how many people get a platform like that. That is an incredible privilege. Well, Mm -hmm. this is where my sinister fears come into play. He had to have known to some extent the waves that a comment like this was going to create. Mm -hmm. And he also has a show coming out. And the idea of (sighs) releasing statements like this to cause a stir, to get more attention, so that maybe he makes a Tonight Show appearance or maybe it gets canceled. Doesn't matter. Either way, we're talking about Norm Macdonald. Yeah. I mean, and I didn't had no idea he had a show. I didn't either. Yeah. I didn't either. Well, and I, I didn't know he was going to be on the Tonight and Show. And there are plenty of that. places with plenty of audience that would yep. host him. Like Joe Rogan oh, has yeah. a huge podcast and he regularly hosts people who are kind of contrarian or have beliefs yeah. that are kind of, kind of in line with this. So, I mean, I don't know. I guess we'll see if he's really sorry, but, you know, that whole shit storm was... Uh, I don't accept that apology. I mean, I'll accept it if if it's matched by actions. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, Yeah. All right. One more sorry this week. Kieran, what do you got? Andrew Cuomo. Sucks. Yeah, yeah. There you go. It's um. So Andrew Cuomo is in the Democratic primary race with Cynthia Nixon, both Democrats. So (laughs) the primary is tomorrow. And there was a mailer that's accusing Cynthia Nixon of being anti-Semitic. Cynthia Nixon has uh, she is the mother of two Jewish children. So this is a just in terms of like, are, is this what we're doing as a party yeah. now? That's mm-hmm. like not it's not. a good. And that look. was like from the Democratic Party of New York that sent out a mailer attacking one of its own members. Mm-hmm. Members. Yeah. It's just like, it, you know, is the is the hand. Why? Why are we trying to eat each other now? Are we trying to cannibalize? Yeah. You know. Also, like, mainstream Democrats need Cynthia Nixon-style progressives. Like, they need them. I, ugh, it just it makes me so mad. Essentially, Cuomo said that he didn't know. He didn't know that this happened. But a, a New York Post email, and there's some evidence that uh, goes against this, uh, and says that there was an official email that came from his campaign that was essentially trying to take advantage of the situation and say that she was supporting the PLO, um, the Palestinian Liberation Organization. So Cuomo's denying that he knew that he knew, even though he got there's emails sent from like official campaign email addresses, pitching stories about Cynthia Nixon being anti-Semitic to the New York Post. Right. Okay. So he's totally denying and uh, that he knew anything about it. But then there's evidence to the contrary. There's been no apology. Oh, he sucks. He sucks. <laughs> the only thing that, that's more insidious than Andrew Cuomo is. This this thing that I read on Twitter of like fans of Cuomo who are calling themselves Cuomosexuals. What? Yeah, it's really wow. it's pretty bad. Uh, so the <laughs> so bad. New York Democratic primary is Thursday. 
Um, Nixon has been down for the entire race, and it's she's a huge long shot candidate, but her campaign has been really cool and inspiring. Mm-hmm. And she's actually, it was funny when I was living in New York, the joke was that she was like the best governor we'd ever had because she would add something to her platform and Cuomo would be like, uh, I'm doing that now as governor. <laughs> and it was like... <laughs> You, it's like ruling you, by proxy. Yeah. Right. It's like he always could have like changed things. He always could have issued statements or guidance or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he only would do it after Cynthia Nixon was like, this is in my platform now. He was hmm. like, it was also a thing I was planning on doing. I did it too. Yeah. I did it too. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think Cuomo does owe Cynthia Nixon an apology. The New York Times, which endorsed Cuomo, called for him to apologize. They haven't rescinded. They haven't gone so far as to rescind the endorsement, but they called for him to apologize. You better do that. Why do you think that they endorsed him? I don't know. Who knows what that fucking opinion page is doing? Interesting. Yeah. Why did they? I have no idea. Aaron, tell us. I don't. I. I. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I can't. I can't say. I can't. (laughs) All right. Let's get to the hills we'll die on this week. I have a hill I'll die on that makes me sound maybe like an asshole a little bit, but I can explain. Um. So. Something that drives me fucking nuts is when, so, you know, in New York City, when I get in a cab or like in Los Angeles, when I get in an Uber or whatever, I I don't drive. I don't have a, I don't have a driver's license. I let it expire when I moved to New York because I was like, I'll never need it again. (laughs) (laughs) I'm never going to. Anyway, now I have to get my driver's license back. I have to like go through driving school, but I don't have time right now. So in my stopgap is I'm taking Uber. Can you please record when you go through driving school, I know. And go really in the drive. Can you go in the car with the guy and like he has to break, you know, through LA with you? I would watch that. I used endlessly. to drive in Chicago, which is like pretty, pretty rough. So I, I think I can. You'll be okay. I'll be okay. Yeah. Also, I'm like, I'm aggressive but attentive. So I'm like not a jerk. Anyway, it's like real life. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, so anyway, I don't, I don't drive for that. For now, I'm relying on ride sharing services to get around. And, the thing that drives me absolutely nuts is when I get in a car, a cab or an Uber, and the first thing they ask me is how to get somewhere. Uh, even oh, though, even I though they, feel you. Even feel though you. even though I think that they're just asking me what the route is, like it, a lot of times it could be perfectly innocent, but for whatever reason, it's like, you know, if it's like if my editor asked me to write something or if my if the showrunner was like write a script and I was like, "How do you write a script?" Like you know, it's like—is this mostly when you're in cabs? Yeah, mostly yes, when I'm in yes, cabs, yes. like from from the airport, especially. I yeah. think they just do it. I think they just do it as a way to test to see if you're local or not. Oh yeah, because if you're not local, they'll just like fuck you over. But anyway, I um, the worst time that this ever manifested. I was really tired, and I just landed in New York, and I got in a cab, and the driver was like, and I told him the address in Brooklyn I was going to, and the driver was like, uh, "How do you get there?" And I go, "I don't know. You tell me." <laughs> Ooh, sassy. Ooh, the sassy and then, and then he locked eyes with you and, and you fell in love. We did. Now we're, we're now we're getting married. But mm-hmm. the, it's not like and a, you're going to get charmingly pregnant. Mm. <laughs> no, that would be a, that would be a Christmas miracle. <laughs> um, but but like it's one of those things where it's like I am never rude to service workers of any kind because I've worked in tons of different service jobs and I you know pe- I, I respect people who are working for a living, whatever. But like when I get in a car. And your only job is to be able to drive. And you ask me how to drive. 
I want to fucking explode. Mm-hmm. I, it, it just, it drives me nuts. I know that I'm wrong, but it is the hill that I will die on. I don't think you're wrong. I don't think, I don't think you're wrong. I also, here's the thing. We are living in an era where we all have phones and we all have GPS. It's real easy. Mm-hmm. It's real. They're, all the tools are at our disposal. It's one thing if we're yeah. dealing with the, the 80s and you got to know the city or whatever. Yeah, if you time travel to the 80s and... Uh, exactly. Yeah, totally. That happens to me all the time. All the time. <laughs> all right, Grace, what's your... Hill. Okay, so this is for my um, mi gente out there, my Spanish speakers, uh, and people who uh, are big fans of, of Mexican food. Crema is worse than sour cream. Okay, <gasps> yes, yeah, I'm going to die on this hill. I hate crema. Crema is like watered-down sour cream. Oh, it's my. like you. T- it's like somebody took sour cream and then was like, this needs to be diluted and be less flavorful, and then made it shittier, and then pretend that that's good, and it's not. Crema is shitty, and it's- like slap it on I hate that I like the the thickness of sour cream I I like I like that and I I think that it's I don't think crema even belongs in the same sentence as sour cream it's a it's a bastardization it's the second time I've used that word this pod it's a bastardization of sour cream it's your shit storm it's my shit storm (laughs) and I'm gonna I'm gonna die on that hill I don't like crema I would rather have no sour cream and no like cute little dollop of dairy on my tacos than have crema Oh, wow. Yeah. All right, Karen. Come at me. Very, very intense. <laughs> very intense. Uh, sometimes I'll hear people in the Matrix, they'll talk about like the blue pill and the red pill and like knowing what it is, man, knowing like the reality of society. And I feel like, do I really want to know the reality? Like, <laughs> like, do I really want to know? Like, part of me is just like, man, if I have to still continue living in the society, why can't I just enjoy the steak? Mm-hmm. Like, like either it's not like it's not like now. Okay, I can like fix everything, right? So it's like, Ignorance yeah, is bliss. Yeah, there's a there's a little bit of like. So now I have to sit in this restaurant, being like, none of this is real, man. It's like <laughs> I don't, but I still have to sit in the restaurant. I'm like, why don't I just sit in the restaurant and like not know that? Right, it seems like a better gig. <laughs> right. So on this news and information podcast, trying to get people. <laughs> Riled up and engaged, Kieran says, how about don't? <laughs> I love the way, specifically bumping on the Matrix movie. Yes. Okay. You know, yeah. it's, okay. like, it's all the Matrix. And yeah. I was like, maybe you just want to like enjoy oh, yeah. the filet mignon at that restaurant, though. Yeah, I Not would as totally. good of a plot, but like, you know. Yeah, just, more a, enjoyable. just a better way to live. Just yes. a plot where like a, an average looking man eats steak. That's the whole movie. That's the movie. Just... I would watch that. <laughs> That's a weird hill to die on. It's a weird hill. <laughs> I like it, Karen. Karen and Grace, thank you so much for hanging out. If you like what you heard, please rate us on iTunes and tell all your friends. And we'll see you next week. Don't take no furniture. I'm a girl with a mouth that's overdone. Right, because girls just want to have fun. So, Annie, get your gun. Give them a